While we've been in lockdown, I've been doing all the kind of traditional lockdown, super cliche kind of things. I baked more bread. I made a sourdough starter. I made even more bread. I got fat from my bread, roasted my own coffee. You know, I'm a walking cliche of what it's like to be in lockdown, especially in Charlton, doing all the things. I wonder like if, if maybe if you've picked up anything like that during this time. You know, there was a point for me where I was baking bread like every week-ish, which is a lot for a novice baker like myself myself. Uh, now, when starting out, especially when making bread, there's always a risk. There's, there's a risk that, you know, it's not going to work out. Like failure is imminent. It's going to happen. What if it doesn't work out? It's kind of guaranteed that it won't. Sometimes a new recipe didn't work and there was a risk in that. Now, baking, unlike cooking, f for me at least, requires a recipe to follow. Like cooking, I can kind of throw stuff together, but baking, I don't really know what I'm doing, so I'm just following someone else's advice on how to make something that tastes good. And since I'm a novice, I can't just whip something up. I can't listen to my own ideas on what I think is the best kind of tasting bread because I'm kind of clueless. I need to listen to other people's ideas. I need a, I need a recipe. I need to follow a recipe. So when baking, for, for me at least, it's risky and I need to listen. Both of those things are true. Now, why would I risk and spend that kind of time listening, following the recipe to someone else's directions? Like, wh why would I do that? Well, it's a simple answer because life with bread is so much better than life without bread. I love it. I'm a, I'm a bread junkie. And if, you know, maybe you're not into bread and I feel sorry for you because of life worth bread. I mean, is it even worth living? I don't know. I don't really want to find out actually. Now, maybe you don't have that same kind of bread-loving, and therefore weight problem is me. But this story in Acts teaches us some general principles that kind of are similar, believe it or not. First, life is better with God than without him. That's just what the story of Acts in general has been telling us. Now, there's more of life to enjoy with God. It's like life with bread versus life without bread. One is worth it, the other not so much. Now, life with God means risk. Uh, and it means listening. Now, if you want bread, you need to risk and you need to listen. If you want a life with God, it will require, re require you to risk while you're living that life with God. And it will require you to listen to his words. And, and all of this, though, and especially in this story today, we're reminded that God will keep us safe. So we might risk. We might have to listen. But God is always going to keep us safe in the way that God keeps his people safe. So if we follow Jesus, if that's who we are, then we will risk and we will have to listen and he will keep us safe. So those are the three kind of big ideas we're going to look at today. Risk, listening, and safety. Risk, listening, and safety. Being a Christian requires risk for God's mission. It also requires that we listen to God. And being a Christian means we're going to be safe because we're with him. So let's hit that first thing. Let's go to risk. Uh, being like following God, being a part of his family means we're going to risk for his mission, risk for God's mission. Being on God's mission meant risk for Paul. Like that's obvious in the story of Acts. There's a storm. that's kind of like a hurricane. There's a shipwreck. There's a snake bite. This is all going on in this one particular story we've looked at today. Now, Paul didn't seek out those things in themselves. He wasn't looking for a storm. In fact, he was trying to, to avoid it. He wasn't searching after it. So don't think that God wants you to search after the storm. God doesn't want you to search after suffering. That's not what he's calling you to do. But it was Paul's submission to God, his trust that God knows better for his life than he does, that led Paul to be obedient to God and follow him and 
following God inevitably for us will mean, will, will feel risky, will be risky. And for Paul, that was risk. So being on God's mission, which is just another way of saying following God, that's what it means to be on his mission, is to follow him, because that's what God's doing. He's on his mission. Uh, being on God's mission will mean risk for us. Sometimes it might be a force of nature, like a storm or a pandemic. Other times it might be because of others' wrong decisions, like what we saw here. The centurion didn't listen to Paul first off, and they got into a shipwreck. Now, sometimes we'll be spared, like the snake bite. Now, who as a kid could resist popping bubble wrap. You know that stuff of the packing stuff, the little plastic bubbles that are filled with air? I mean, who as an adult can resist popping them, right? If you order something fragile or expensive or both, there's a good chance it'll be covered with something like bubble wrap. But once you get that thing, you don't keep the bubble wrap on it. Like if I ordered a vintage Fender Telecaster semi-hollow body with single coil pickups, let's just say, you know, off the top of my head, something that I would maybe like to have, it comes in the post. I don't keep that bubble wrap on. I'm going to rip the bubble wrap off and play the guitar because the guitar is meant to be played. A, a, a guitar with bubble wrap is no different than some kind of piece of rubbish wood in my back garden covered in bubble wrap. It's, it serves the same function. You were never meant to go through life wrapped in bubble wrap. That's not what we're meant for. We're meant for something more. We're meant to be used as God's instrument, to be a part of something beautiful, a beautiful song. He plans on using you. Your unique story that only you have, that only God has gifted to you, not someone else's story, your story, your relationships, your gifts. There is a risk, yes, but if you don't risk, you will miss out on following Jesus. That's just true. Now, we all have risk-averse parts of our life. Everybody does. Like Nobody is not feeling fear when it comes to risk. The question we should be asking is like, why are we afraid of risking so much? Like, where is that fear coming from? It could be coming from failure, not meeting either your own expectations or others' expectations of what your life should be like. It could be from you know, a fear of not having the safety that you feel like you require, a fear that God isn't like, good enough or powerful enough to, to protect you. Ironically, running to safety first actually doesn't give us safety, the safety that we need. Running to God is actually what gives us the safety. Only God can do that. We'll talk about that later on in this message. The false view here, though, that I think all of us have, myself included, all of us come to the table with this kind of false idea that if I don't risk, I won't fail. That's what we think. To protect ourselves from failure, we're not going to venture into what might be risky for us. If I don't invest, I can't lose, right? Well, if you don't risk... In the Christian life, you've already failed because God is on his mission and it's therefore inherently risky. And it's just being obedient and following him in that. But even when we fail, as all of us have, all of us bring that to the table as well. We've all failed with when it comes to following God when it's risky. Even when we fail, God continues to invite us to follow him. He doesn't just give up on you. He's there. He's with you. He's walking with you in that slow kind of patient way that God does with everyone. And success in whatever kind of mission-orientated thing we're thinking about, success isn't things going our way. That's not what success and mission looks like. I mean, would we say that, that Paul was not successful? Like, things didn't go his way probably most of the time. And yet that was part of the mission that God was calling him to. Success is, is simply just following through in obedience. 
That's what success is. Whether or not people respond the way you want to, whether or not circumstances work out the way you want to or not, actually, that's no part of success at all. Success is just following through in simple obedience. That's called following Jesus. See, Jesus isn't static. He hasn't stopped. He's on his mission so that the earth might reflect the heavens. He's not at rest. He's at work. He doesn't move too fast for us, though. He's not like running so far ahead that we can't even make out his, his image. Oftentimes, it's a walking pace, a slow walking pace. But he's certainly not standing still. Now, success in the Christian life isn't often the result that we want. We can't control that. Success in the Christian life is, uh, is the action in the moment to obey. Success in the Christian life is the action in the moment to obey. If we don't risk, we should ask ourselves why. We should count the cost of what it means to not follow Jesus. Because if we're not risking, there's parts of our life that we're withholding from following Jesus. Not following Jesus is, is a, a, not a risky life, but it's a lesser life. Now, risk can mean sticking your neck out when it's easier to burrow in. Risk can be in getting involved in a community when you've been hurt by people in the past or you're not really sure what they're going to think of you. you might, risk might be trying something that may not work out. Sending or even like sharing a link to someone online, even that could feel risky for for some of us. Calling up someone on the phone, giving sacrificially of yourself, like your time, your money, your your energy, your emotions, that could be risky because, you know, maybe you're not going to get the return that you think you're due. But failure is not following through. We can't control how things are going to work out, but we can control if we will follow him. So if God's mission inevitably leads to risk, and that's going to look different for all of us, all, you know, there's different, we're all in different parts of that, and that's totally fine. Where are you now in that? Is there some element of risk in your life, uh, or are you surrounding yourself in bubble wrap? Where are you risking something in those places of risk? How are you bringing that to the Lord? How are you making sure you're just not doing it for your own sake, but you're following Jesus in that risk? Who else is walking with you through it all? Because we're not meant to do this by ourselves. This is obviously where where missional communities and our core groups come in. And if you're not involved in one of those, um, don't miss out. We really want you to get involved. If you're uh, not in one now, just know that you aren't meant to do this life alone. You might be far from Jesus. Maybe you're not even like, like, you're like, I don't even know about this Christian thing. We can come alongside of you wherever you are in in your journey of faith or in your journey of disbelief, wherever you are. We want to come alongside you in that because you you can't figure it out by yourself. You can't do this alone. Just like Paul wasn't alone here. Paul's like this like superstar, rock star of the faith. He's not by himself. He's surrounded by people. And it's in your best interest to not be alone as well. So take a step. There's a website there at the bottom if you're not there already, redeemermcr.com slash live. There's a button there that says sign up that will just basically send us an email saying you want to get an email from us and then we can start this conversation. Now that might be a risk for you. For a lot of people that probably is a risk, but that's a good step to take. That's a good risk. It's a risk that's worth it. So there is a risk. Yeah. How do we get through it? How do we make it a way of life and not just kind of like a one-off thing? How can walking with Jesus be a constant habit, a way that we're, we're living, something that's sustainable? How do we thrive in the risky areas that God has already invited us into? Well, for Paul, the way that works out for Paul, and it's the same way the way it works out for us, is he listens to God. He listens to God. Without listening to God, we will despair on his mission. 
When we listen to what God says, it's the opposite. We get courage to work through that fear, to work through that lack of belief. So in, in verse 11, see, Paul is telling them, like, hey, guys, this is probably what we should do. Uh, in verse 11, the centurion, uh, instead of listening to Paul, you know, did something else. Uh, we know a bit of foreshadowing is going on here, right? Like, oh, I wonder why Luke, as he's writing this, I wonder why Luke included that. It's probably not going to end well, you know. Um, well, they don't listen to Paul. And, you know, maybe some of that is fair enough. You know, Paul is not the pro. He's not like a, an ex. as far as we know. He, he He's not the professional. He's not the expert. Though he's right. Now, Paul isn't right because of his seafaring knowledge. He isn't right um, because he knows, you know, has some kind of like weather app or something he can bring up. He's right because he's listening to God. He's listening to God. Often, when we're in a difficult spot, we overlook this simple reality. Listening to God is the most important thing we can do, especially when we find ourselves heading into a storm or in the middle of one. We should get information from experts. We shouldn't be foolish. We should be wise. We should listen. Uh, But nothing is going to replace God's words to us. Nothing will. And what does listening to God do for Paul? It did something for Paul that nothing else could have done. Paul gets courage. Despite the circumstances, Paul is encouraged. God puts his courage into Paul. And Paul, therefore, has enough courage that's overflowing and he's able to encourage and give courage to others. This courage overflows from him to others. Now this is really good because before Paul speaks, all hope is lost. Look at verse 20 of chapter 27. Um, It says, uh, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, this is like multiple days and the storm is raging and you can't see anything except for a storm for multiple days. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. This is Luke, the author of the book of Acts saying, we finally gave up. There was no hope. There was no hope of being saved. In the very next verse, we see Paul pointing them to God. So from despair, while on God's mission, to courage. What's the, what makes the difference? Paul is listening to God. Paul points them to God. Even though you all were disobedient, that's basically what Paul is saying, even though you didn't listen to me first, God loves us love, you know, to, and gives us multiple chances to listen in on him over and over and over again. Even though you all were disobedient, keep up your courage, Paul tells them. Now, how is Paul responding this way? Again, he's listening to God's words. Now, God, in this moment here, God's words are being delivered to Paul through an angel and uh, telling him that, yeah, you're afraid, but don't worry, you're going to get through this. You will be rescued. It's a message of rescue. So Paul is scared. And you know how I know that? Because the angel is telling Paul to not be afraid. Of course he's scared. He thinks he's going to die. But listening to God's words allows us to move in, in places that are scary. Courage is continuing to follow God when you're scared. How many of us are scared to follow God? Yeah, that's everybody. Everybody. Everybody's listening to this. It's true. And if you don't think that's true, you just don't know yourself well enough of how, how fearful you truly are. It doesn't take courage to move forward when you're not scared. Courage isn't required in a life that's not scary. But in a life that where fear is going to creep up, we need to have God's courage. And God's words to Paul gave him the courage he needed to not only weather this storm, but to survive a shipwreck and to confront the most powerful man in the universe, who's Caesar at the time. This is what Paul's going to. And Paul says in verse 25, he says in verse 25, I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. 
I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Paul is leaning on Jesus' and Jesus's words to him, on God's words to him, instead of looking at the circumstance right in front of him. Now, if you had a headache, and you, maybe you got a diagnosis of a simple headache from a GP, like you saw a GP for this headache, you'd go take some paracetamol, and you go on with your day. But then maybe there's like a lull at work and, and you bring up WebMD because you're just kind of like, I wonder if it's something more than a headache. And because, of course, you're the expert now, you're on WebMD, you know, finding out all the, you know, all the things that it's pointing to. And now that headache is something more. It's something tragic. It's something uh, rare and it's something terminal, something that can never be cured. Now, you shouldn't live your life according to WebMD or your own expertise, you should listen to the doctor who actually saw you and who knows you, take your paracetamol and move on with your life. Now, you might still be scared about those WebMD search results, and that's okay, but you can take courage in what the doctor has told you. The one who knows what's going on, the one who knows you, the one who gave you the diagnosis, who's looked into your face and knows you better than some website might. Now, scary things are bound to come our way. Are we going to trust our own expertise? Are we going to trust our kind of our own facts that we come up with ourselves? I mean, we know what we're like. Are we really that trustworthy? We need something more than us telling us where we are in life, giving us the courage that we need to move forward, regardless of where we are in life. Now, always, but especially as we come to the storms, the shipwrecks, and the snake bites in our lives, we need to listen to God's words to us. Of course, our situation is different than Paul, right? Like It's very different. Uh, none of us are on the way to see Caesar. We think you're going to die for your faith. An angel in the night isn't giving us exactly what to do and what to expect, not giving us all those kind of specifics. And also, we're not in the same place in redemptive history here. Like Paul was God's kind of special instrument to go after people who weren't Jewish, to bring them into the faith. That's It's very different for us now. But we have something that Paul didn't at the time. We have the entire finished Bible at our fingertips. It's literally a book you can read with your eyes. You can pick it up. You can turn pages and you can read the words. These are God's words to us at our fingertips. Whenever we want access to what God is saying to us, we have it right here. Or you have an app or you have you know, a website or whatever it could be. If anything, it's precisely because it's so easy to access that we can overlook it at times. Bringing our lives to the Bible as a natural way of being, as just kind of how we do life, as a habit, is the only hope we can have while on God's mission. Where else are we going to get the words of courage that we need? Where else is God going to tell us that we're safe, that, we're, that we will be rescued? Nothing else is going to tell us. God himself is telling us now through his word. Without this book, Without, without the Bible here, we will all be like Luke and the rest of the people on the ship, and we'll, we'll, give up, we'll give up hope, and despair will rule over our lives. It is impossible for despair to rule over your life if you're bringing your life to the Word. Now, despair might be there. It's not like it's a cure for despair, and we'll never feel it. But we will never be overcome by that despair if we have God's Word speaking to us day after day after day. Now, I've seen what it's like to kind of despair on the mission. I've seen it loads of times, and this is probably what it will look like. You might, you know, maybe you'll be out there trying to follow Jesus, doing this thing. Um, you might be obedient on mission, you know, trying to, you, know, other, you, you really want other people to know who he is. Then life comes at you, 
and the missing mission comes at you and uh, you overlook your need to be connected to God's word, like you personally, your insides will slowly wither away. But you'll want to keep up good appearances, though, so you still keep on coming on Sunday. I mean, you still serve in ways, although, you know, you're kind of bitter and you kind of like, oh, I guess I have to do this because now I'm on a rota. You'll, you'll keep up those good appearances, but inside you're despairing. And there is no hope for you to be following God, let alone instilling courage into others who are despairing. See, God is going to use you to put courage into other people. But first, you have to be receiving God's courage for yourself. It's like a cup that's overflowing. He will give you more than you need. And the reason for that is so you can give it to others. And if you aren't connecting yourself to God in that way, then there's no way anyone could rely on, on you to, for, for that for them. You'll end up a hollow religious shell, and people who are watching will wonder why you do all that religious stuff. See, you are not enough by yourself. You were meant to be in relationship with God. And the only way to continue to have big hearts in a world that hurts is to have faith in God. We all want to have big hearts, but then we've all been hurt by this world. Those things outside of a life with God will always work against each other. Only a life under God with his word will allow us to have those big hearts in a world that will hurt us. And all will happen just as he told us, just as he told Paul. Now, this is necessary for you and it's necessary for others. Because, as we said before, there are others that God has put in your life. Even right now, there are others who are despairing. It could be people who know Jesus already and they need to be encouraged in the faith they have. It could be people who don't know Jesus yet and they need to get that courage that comes from knowing him. They need to hear God's words of life. There are these people in your life. They aren't going to maybe read themselves yet. Maybe they're not going to read the Bible yet. Or maybe they need to be reading the Bible and they're just, they just, it feels like an insurmountable hurdle to get over to get there. Like the sailors on the ship, they need someone to speak to them. But you can't if you aren't listening. Whose lives in Redeemer are you speaking into? Because we're all on the ship together. Sometimes it feels like it's going straight and strong. Sometimes it feels like it's in the middle of a storm. Sometimes it feels like it's slowly sinking. But we're all in the ship together, and God is the one who's in control. So who, how are we listening to God's words, not just for ourselves, but for other people? Because right now... God is speaking to you. His words come through the Bible to you. Like all these words are being spoken to us all the time. There are so many things in here that he wants to say to us. There's so many messages of his love that he has for us, of the hope that we have as we step into the life that he's given us. They allow us to live with big hearts in a world that so often hurts for us and for other people. Okay, so if we follow Jesus... And Jesus is on his mission. That means when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we also surrender our own version of our small missions to him and his big mission. And he allows us to join in with him on his massive mission. That, that's who we are as Christians. But that does require that we um, to, to walk in risky places, maybe not all the time, but definitely at, at some points. And it does require that we listen to him as we walk and follow him on his mission. Now, let's see, that, that's the kind of stuff that we are required to do as we follow God. Now, let's see what God does uh, for us in this story. And we're going to look at safety, because God keeps us safe. 
when we're with God on his mission, there is a safety from the storms, from the shipwrecks, from the snake bites. We risk, we listen, and God keeps us safe. Now, Paul knew this. This changed how he went about kind of going on his journey. Knowing God was going to keep him safe didn't alleviate him from pain, didn't alleviate him from not only like a storm, but a shipwreck and a snake bite, all those kind of things. But knowing God was going to keep him safe allowed Paul to get through it. And not just to kind of like survive, but to kind of thrive and flourish. Even as he's kind of being getting bit by the snake, his life is a witness and a testimony to other people who are watching. These are the worst of circumstances, and God is working through Paul. And if he is powerful in these situations, God surely is powerful in your situation or situations, wherever that might be. God was the one who gave the courage. He gives us the courage to get through what we need to get through. We still have to work hard, right? We still have to, you know, throw things overboard on the ship and cut the lines of the lifeboat and all the kind of things that go on here. It's not like we just give up and let go and let God. Like we work hard as we join him on the mission. And we might have to risk. Yes, we will. But we get God's safety in it all. We get his safety. God cares more about you than you do, which is kind of a crazy idea because we're so obsessed with ourselves. But even more than than we care about ourselves, God cares about you. That's amazing. And he is in control. He's powerful enough to keep you safe. And part of him loving us is calling us to difficult places, calling us to risky places, and revealing himself to be the one who keeps us safe. That's another thing. If we never put ourselves in positions of risk, then we're never going to see the God who comes through for us in ways that we need it. The letter of Colossians, as Paul writes, uh, tells us that Jesus holds the world together. If Jesus holds the world together, all things through him are held together, do you think he might be able to handle your problem? You think he might be able to handle your worries? They are small in terms of the universe. God is big enough. God's powerful enough. He's good enough, and he will handle it. But really, what safety is about in the context of this story here is safety as we're living a life of mission. This is different than just kind of the normal suffering that comes our way. It's the difficulties that arise when we follow Jesus on his mission. And think about what that means for you for a moment. So God's mission calls us beyond ourselves. Like That's what it means and to, to live a life of dependence, of God having to come through. Otherwise, things don't work out. On, on God's mission, we get emotionally drained. We get physically drained. We might be getting by with like less money than we could be do, doing otherwise. We will go for things, and sometimes they're just not going to work out. It might feel like failure in terms of like of how the world sees success and failure. Now, God's safety doesn't mean that you won't experience pain, that you won't experience failure or difficulty. It might even mean physical death, as it will for Paul. Safety with God is something that transcends all of this. It promises us that if we are his children, he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's always there. And come whatever situation life can throw at us, none of that can keep us from the love of God. That's what God's safety is. Now, whatever it is, however difficult it might be right now, know that God has kept, is keeping, and will keep you safe, will keep you in his hands. If he's holding the universe together, he will be able to hold you together. He's with you. He's not leaving. He's with you in it and gives you the courage that you need. 
And this isn't true merely in our day-to-day situations while we're living life of, of obedience and mission. This is true in our larger, eternal kind of situations. Now, we may never experience a shipwreck, and that is probably a good thing, but all of us will experience death. That's true for every single human. As Christians, we trust in God to not only keep us safe in the storms of our lives, but to trust Him to keep us safe at the ends of our lives. That's what we're trusting God for. The God of life took on death for us. Forever we are with Him. If we can believe that with our future, with eternity, with our souls, we can believe that about our present life. In fact, to believe Him with our future is to believe Him with your present life. So if you do not believe that God is really that kind of God, He's not trustworthy, that He doesn't have it for now, it probably means you really don't believe it in the future. This is when Christianity, to live this reality out, this is when Christianity ceases to be like just a mere good idea and truly becomes good news to us as people. This is when Jesus ceases to be a concept and truly becomes our King, our Leader, who we follow to the ends of the earth. For this to be true, Jesus had to die. He had to die. He risked everything. Jesus never calls us to risk more than what he has. He risked his own life. And as he did so, he was listening to God. Even right before the cross, Jesus asked the Father to take the cup from him, and that didn't happen. And so he still listened. He still obeyed. He still proceeded. When you read the Gospels, you find that Jesus often relied on the Father. He's often having to get away to listen to the Father's words to him. And this is the Son of God. This is Jesus. Surely we are more in need than he is, and yet we spend less time with God's words to us than he did. With Jesus' risk, the reward was worth it. Jesus died, and he rose again, and in that act, something actually happened. It wasn't a possibility for something. He actually made something happen. Jesus, through paying with his life, bought a family for himself. A family then, and it was going to uh, expand and continue. And he bought this family that he bought for himself. This family would risk for his kingdom as a family that would listen to his words. Now, Jesus didn't just die and rise again, and that's the end of the story. He also ascended to the throne in heaven. He ascended to the Father. He's on the throne now. This means right now, Jesus isn't just like a king in waiting. He is the king on the throne reigning not just over our individual lives, over everything. In all the storms, in all the shipwrecks, in all the snake bites, whatever they might be, he is there and he is working out his purposes. Are we listening? Or are we just trying to muddle through? In all our difficulties and trials, everything that seems to be a setback, Jesus is there and he is the king leading his kingdom. Will we risk and join him in that kind of glorious life? Or will we be safe, wrap ourselves in bubble wrap, and miss out? Now, everyone is going to experience difficulty. Everyone. No amount of trying to avoid suffering is going to actually help you avoid suffering. But if you follow Jesus, he promises to see you through it. So we all come to suffering. Those who follow Jesus are able to go through suffering in a way that's different. You're able to have courage. You're able to have meaning in a way that transcends the suffering itself. 
And since we can bank on God's safety, since that's kind of like our bedrock, our foundation is God delivering safety because of, on God's terms, that allows us to risk for him. Because what do we have to lose? God has us in his hands. He, he, we will be safe. And that makes him someone worth, worth listening to. So what is your life meant for? That's a big question, right? What is your life meant for? 19th century theologian and pastor William G.T. Shedd has this great quote in the the 19th century. He says, uh, a ship is safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships are for. Ship is not meant for harbor. A ship is safe in the harbor, but that's not what ships are for. As a child of God, your life is best experienced, is best enjoyed listening to God's words, reading them, chewing on them, meditating on them, reading them with other people so they can bring out things that you didn't see and they can see parts of your life that you can't see so you can bring even more of your life to his words. Embracing these words. It's, our lives are best enjoyed following Jesus. And that means sometimes some parts of our life will be risky. But this is what we were meant for. We aren't meant for the harbor. We're meant to be we aren't meant to be wrapped up in, in bubble wrap. We certainly certainly aren't meant to be listening to our own advice as if we're experts on life. We were meant to be on God's open seas on his mission, living our lives with big hearts, even if there is a world that will hurt us. There will be failure. There will be difficulty. But that's no reason to avoid the life that God is calling you to, that God's calling us as a church to. Jesus is here. He's here, working through us as a church together. It's what he does. As a gospel-formed family on his mission, as we seek more of heaven to be reflected in Charlton, in South Manchester, and in the UK. Let me pray.